Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer Rohan Notgerny. Rohan, tonight is a big event in our relationship. The Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics are scheduled to play a basketball game. And uh, as someone who takes the high road, win or lose, I wish you luck. Uh, But I also know if the Heat lose, there will either be a litany of excuses or you'll tell me... You were busy watching Game 6 of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals on YouTube, or you didn't have time to watch because you were deep into a Nancy Myers rom-com with your dog. So I just want to give you an opportunity to get everything all out of your system right now before we officially start today's show. Well, first of all, Mike is referencing him texting me the other night, quote-unquote, <laughs> taking the high road, trying to talk <laughs> trash about the heats. Triple overtime loss to the Raptors, a night on which, in fact, I was watching It's Complicated uh, with my dog Boba, and pretty soon I will be releasing my official Nancy Myers rankings on Twitter, so Ooh. stay tuned to that. Beyond that, I mean, listen, the Heat first place in the East, they're playing with house money, you know? If they win, it's because of the culture. If they lose, uh, <laughs> it's because they're missing Jimmy, Kyle, and PJ Tucker. I don't see how that's even remotely controversial uh, for a team to be losing 60% of its starting lineup um, and expected to win on the road. I mean, let me put it this way. This is the kind of game the Celtics should win easily. That You know, you're at home, you're playing against a team that's playing its third game uh, in four nights. And, Ron, let me stop you right missing, there. Have you, have you watched players. the Boston? This is, have you this, watched, is, have you- this is the kind of game the Celtics should win by double digits. That's all I'm going to say. I know, but I just want to say, uh, have you watched the Boston Celtics play basketball this season? There's no game that the Boston Celtics should win. That just doesn't exist anymore. I don't know, I, Mike. I, I hate you to just, break it to you. This is, uh, this is, all I'm saying is this is the kind of game the Celtics should win easily. So that's... 
I agree. I also think, you know, the Heat, you're short-selling everyone else in the Miami Heat, your Heat culture uh, posse. Like, they get up for everything. Except, I will say, um, Eric Spolster, who's a borderline coach of the year, like front runner right now, just an incredible job by him yet again, calling timeout right before Gabe Vincent's three was... So epic and legendary and like the you know, worst it's time funny. Even, possible. Even even like my my parents were like watching that game with like a friend's house or something. They came home and like, could you believe the timeout? And I guess there were some people. Uh, I didn't think that was a big deal. I mean, that I, I, even at the moment, like I wasn't upset. I don't know. There's like there was too little time. If it was like he gets the rebound and there's eight seconds left on the clock, I get it. Uh, you know, he pulls down that rebound with like three four seconds left. I think it's in fact like. That was a good timeout. I mean, it was unfortunate he hit a crazy shot. I do think a bunch of guys had kind of let up on that play. So, I don't know. I saw people being upset about that. But um, to me, that was like, I don't know. Every Spo likes to let him play in most situations. I thought it was the right call to take a timeout there. It surprised me because I was watching it on mute um, in a hotel down in Florida, of all places, and so I couldn't hear, like, I didn't know that the play was stopped. I thought the game ended and I was like, oh my God. And then eventually it caught up to me that. Yeah, I mean, like, you're, really, you're, <laughs> you're really burying the lead here, which is that you were in Florida, but couldn't send your podcast co host a text. Just couldn't give me a heads up that uh, we were separated by only 30 we, miles instead of literal opposite coasts of the country. But, you know, I guess. I guess this podcast relationship means more to me than it does to you. And that's fine. That's okay. I sent you, first of all, I sent you a, t- we don't need to go too deeply into this on the show, but I did send you a text of me inside a Publix. But that's, and then I said, like, where are you? Like, there's a few states that have Publix in them. And then I even gave you, I even like tried to convince you to order a Publix sub and you didn't do that either. So I didn't even know what the point of this trip was if you were going to see me or eat a pub sub. I, I just I don't understand it. It's it's just you know life's a mystery, Rohan. That's that's all it is. Okay. You got to go with the flow. And uh, speaking of going with the flow, we're going to have to move on to uh, today's show where we have some incredible emails to get to. And before we do, a quick reminder to keep the your questions coming to openfloormail at gmail dot com. That's openfloormail at gmail dot com. Um, okay, Rohan, so before we dive into the mailbag, I wanted to have a quick conversation with you about the All-Star starters, and in particular, one All-Star starter, Maple Jordan, Mr. Andrew Wiggins, who was named to his very first team when the starters were announced last Thursday night. I know that we've had a few days to digest this news, everyone has, um, but we haven't had a chance really to address it on the show. And I think that there are a few fascinating questions to ask that are connected to All-Star itself. Um, I know neither of us had Wiggins as a starter, or I don't think either of us had him on... Um, I know I didn't have him on my Western Conference team. I don't think you did either. And we talked about him in our last episode. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you did either. Um, just, I'm curious, what was your reaction to Wiggins getting the nod? Do you think this is a deserve? Do you think this is deserved and you're you're fine with it? Or... Is it closer to a uh, a travesty that should have us completely rethink how these teams are selected in the first place? I don't think it's a travesty. I mean, I certainly don't think he should be a starter. You know, we we talked about this on the last pod. I think we both realistically liked uh, Dejounte Murray over him instead of what ended up happening. It's a you know the fan voting has also gotten to a point where 
it's not just about fan voting. It's like, oh, which celebrity did you have tweet out? Bam Bam. Uh, yeah. Is that his I, name? I, <laughs> it was like a know. K-pop star or something, right? Um, so, I, 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 like I said, you, I know that more people care about all-star stuff than I do. It, at the end of the day, it's not a really big deal to me. At the same time, in a situation like this, I'm sure Andrew Wiggins is happy, but that one, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure on some level he's also like, uh, does he does he feel like it's earned to be a starter? I, I'm curious how he feels about it um, deep down. So I, I wouldn't say, you know, I stopped sort of saying certainly that it's a travesty or that I'm upset about it, etc. But uh, yeah, I'm. Um, I'm no, I mean, just, I'm. I'm I, I'm being fresh when I say travesty. Yeah. Obviously, it's not a travesty. It's just an all-star selection. I will say that when I saw his his you know his face, his body image uh, flash across the screen when they were announcing the starters on TNT, I like I did my my initial reaction was I thought it was a joke. Like that's I'm not <laughs> even gonna I'm not gonna like lie about that. I was like I was completely expecting. I was completely expecting Rudy Gobert first and foremost, and then like Cat maybe. Like I voted for Cat. I thought he had a possible chance. Draymond. There were just like I don't know. I, I knew that Wiggins was way up there in the fan vote. I assumed that players would not vote for him. I assumed that media members, like there were media members actually who voted for Andrew Wiggins, and like. Look, like I, I think this kind of brings me to like my my next question, which is just kind of a bigger picture one about All Star selection in the first place, which you touched upon. Right now, it's fifty percent fans for starters. It's fifty percent fans, twenty five percent media, twenty five percent players, and then coaches pick the reserves. Now, I know that you you previously addressed this, but as someone who lives and dies by who does and doesn't make the All Star team, like what <laughs> right. changes what changes would you make to this system, if any, after? Andrew Wiggins is suddenly starting because uh, of what we just what we just saw here. I just don't know that you can make changes. I mean, they they tried to make changes, and I think for the most part, the right guys make the team. I, I think I don't think there's been since they switched to the current system. There are no egregious snubs that come to mind, at least for me, someone who doesn't care that much, but. <laughs> I, I, you know, no one comes to mind as like, oh, this guy, can't believe he made it this year. You know, there are certain players, frankly, who I like when they're in the All-Star game and if they're not having a quote-unquote All-Star season or getting it on name recognition, etc. Mm -hmm. But short of taking some of the vote out of the fans' hands, uh, which I think is just kind of goes against the spirit of the, the what the enterprise is, I don't know what changes you want to make. And I understand why people are like sick of the idea of we should make it all media. Um, I think the real thing you do have players to do, need to vote. Honestly, like they I did mean, not I, take yeah, it seriously. I, I don't know if the players take it seriously. I don't think the players need to vote or, or just they need to remove the importance of the all-star game entirely as it relates to contracts or maybe even, you know, hall of fame, Whatever I, I mean, not that I think it's ever been the biggest deal, but perhaps the the more important thing is to remove the importance of it from these other measuring sticks that we use or or other indicators, you know. And and I think that would make it easier when someone maybe 
gets into the game that people are a little bit dubious about. So that that would I think that I think is a better fix is let's just stop talking about all stars when it comes to uh, Hall of Fame cases or contracts, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that would be kind of sad to me. Like I think like this is why I don't want the All Star game and All Star teams to be stretched out to fifteen guys because like it should be an honor. It should be a select few, um, and that just like brings more gravitas to the actual event. And I love watching the actual game, even though a lot of people you know bitch and moan constantly on Twitter throughout the four quarters. Like I don't care. I think it's fun. It's awesome to see these guys throw lobs to each other and stuff. Um, but if you were, let's just say like, if you were on the Phoenix Suns and you were more specifically in the Phoenix Suns backcourt and you saw that Andrew Wiggins was starting, um, on the all-star team and you're Chris Paul or you're Devin Booker, your team is just like basically unbeatable (laughs) right now. You're winning. We're recording this on a Monday. You've won 10 in a row. You have the best record in the NBA. You're the best team in the NBA. And both of you are, are, are way better than Andrew Wiggins is at basketball. And that just brings me to like, should we, is it time that we like get away with from, get away from positions altogether? Like, is it, is it time because of something like this happening just as a way to prevent it in the future? That is an idea that I think I could get behind. You know, I know that when we were coming up with our reserves, it was also kind of frustrating to come up with, uh, Oh, we need three front court, et cetera. I mean, if we're going to do that, I really think it's probably time to just do away with both conferences and positions and just get the best 24 NBA players on the floor and let them go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I That, to me, I, I like that idea of a fix um, because I, especially now with the new format, I'm not the first person to make this point. The conference distinction really doesn't matter or make sense. Um, you know, it's not like. MLB or whatever, they're even playing under different rules or something like that. So I could get mm-hmm. behind getting rid of conferences and positions, especially positions, because it's just a, an artificial construct that is honestly getting more and more irrevel- irrelevant uh, today's game, you know, each passing season. Well, and I got to be honest, I expected a little bit more um, disgruntlement out of you about Wiggins making the team, but you seem like okay with it you're fine i know that the all-star i know all-star isn't like your your be-all end-all but uh i mean it it also is like it's also just like it is what it is it's done it's a done deal like there's nothing (laughs) to do about it um you know the fans did what they had to do to get him in as a starter and that's that like i Am I going to argue against the will of the people? You know, Mike, are you, are you going to be one of those people that's questioning uh, the validity of elections? Um, <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, it, it's a it's a bummer. But then you're also like, there's only a there's a limit to which I'm willing to go because Andrew Wiggins didn't do anything wrong, and I'm not I don't want to put down Andrew Wiggins because of what is ultimately an imperfect system and there's no great solution mm-hmm. for it. And I'm, I'm not going to trash Andrew Wiggins' game. He's obviously had a nice season. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it just, to me, it's like, wow, there's just nothing to gain to be upset about at this point. Like, I think we could, uh, definitely talk about fixes. And I think what you mentioned is good, but the bigger thing is I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to dump on Wiggins. Who's, 
you know, to some degree being put in a little bit of a strange I agree. position. But I agree. You know, that that's kind of the reason for my, I guess, uh, you know, lack of passion about the topic. But, you know, I, I just think that it's also a little bit frustrating because the, the power has been in the NBA's hands to a degree to kind of stop these things from happening, right? Like they could go positionless, they could go conferenceless. Like whatever for whatever reason they're married to tradition when it comes to the All Star game, but are willing to do all kinds of stuff when it comes to the regular season. So that the dissonance there is a little strange to me. But yeah, I just look at you know, I guess ultimately the NBA is like this is a a quote unquote small price to pay for you know maintaining the normalcy of our game or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think that there's obviously the fear if you go positionless that, you know, someone like Jared Allen would have a 0.0% chance of ever making it. And this year he has a pretty strong case because of like front court players have to make it. Um, but I don't know. I feel like if you, if you changed a little bit of, you know, the, the voting process and who gets to pick and it wasn't just K-pop fans that, <laughs> <laughs> um, like well, have some if, faith in people who are actually watching the games and uh, who understand that Jared Allen's very good and, and deserving of an All Star um, appearance this season. So what if I'm you, like I'm for I'm what for if you what if you let the fans vote, but the media comes up with the list of players who are eligible? Oh wow, interesting! Did you just mm. think about of that all by yourself, Rohan? possible i <laughs> every now and then i'm good for a hashtag hoop idea you know I, I i i like that idea we're gonna have to um revisit it in the future uh that's brilliant um and no that's really good um and and shout out to you for coming up with that <laughs> on, off the seat of your pants there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This 
is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to say about Andrew Wiggins or All Star, or can we move on? Because this email, I'm like chopping at the bit to get to. It's one of my. Let's do it. You literally, he's literally rubbing his hands together. I know. In excitement I, for this I, next email. Yeah, let's to, hear. It. I had to get the lotion out. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this email comes in from Alex, who writes, "Hi, Michael Rohan and Brother Herring. I love how Brother Herring is catching yeah, on. Yeah, good this for Brother amazing. Herring. I haven't heard um, from him since he spoke to Spike Lee. He doesn't respond to anything in the group chat anymore." <laughs> Yeah, I know. He's uh, big-timing us. Yeah. Dame Dash. My <laughs> name is Alex, and I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I have been a longtime listener and fan. I don't think I have missed an episode in a couple of years. Wow. Shout out to you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. All I seem to hear from the media is praise for Joel Embiid and how he has put the 76ers on his back and is, quote, leading the MVP race. I just can't help but ask a question. Why (laughs) is everyone seemingly pretending that Nikola Jokic is not doing what he is doing on a nightly basis? Jokic leads Embiid in every per 36 category aside from turnovers with an almost negligible difference and points. Not to mention, if you pull up advanced stats, it is ludicrous how many categories Jokic leads in. I understand that Jokic is not the, quote, sexiest player. And from a marketing standpoint, he probably isn't the best choice to label as the face of the NBA. But when you look at the numbers, he is almost undoubtedly the best player in the world, not to mention the fact that the Nuggets have rattled off eight of their last ten and are sitting in fourth place in the Western Conference. Why is everyone just ignoring what Jokic is doing without two of the three best players on his team. In my eyes, Jokic is running away with MVP, and I'm not trying to downplay the season. Embiid is having it all, but he is simply just not the better player. All the best, Alex. Uh, so I just want to say off the top, like every so often we get an email here at Open Floor that turns me into the uh, the Antonio Banderas gif from the movie Assassins, where he's <laughs> leaning back and exhaling <laughs> after he takes a glance at the laptop. Um, that was me after I read this because okay. I I was you're on a, text. a born Sixers hater. You were literally this has nothing to do with that. Of, came out of this the is, womb. You were like Doctor not- J traveled on on that, on that layup. <laughs> this has nothing to do with that, but I will say that um, I have noticed this um, I, this wave of Joel Embiid as the MVP from certain media members and the narrative that is forming. And I'm just like, this is very annoying stuff. Like Mm. I, he is not, I'm sorry. Like every time I see, um, a box score of Embiid's that is posited as the reason why he is the MVP or or their team's record or the on-offs or anything, I just look over at Jokic and his, his box scores (laughs) that night was better. His team won by more points. Like it's just, I can get go on and on into it, but like, what what are your thoughts about? I'll throw it to you before I, I rattle off even more points about why this upsets me. But like, what are your thoughts about the Joel Embiid Jokic MVP race? And is it is it a two person race for you, or there's are there more players involved? Well, I will say in a macro sense, Embiid versus Jokic is truly one of the great basketball questions of our time. Uh, it, and I mean that genuinely. I think I brought it up on this podcast earlier, but don't you want to see what happens if they switch places for a week? 
uh, like give them each 10 games with the other's team and see what happens. That would be a fascinating experiment. I have no idea how it would go. I I do think it's listen, I picked Jokic as my midseason MVP. Alex, if you're looking for, you know, quote unquote media members or national media guys who are you know, conducting the Jokic train, that's me, all right? We're Chris Pine and Denzel Washington. We're unstoppable, baby, <laughs> all right? That train is rolling down the tracks. And uh, I I made my case. He's, I believe he's still in the 100th percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass, in on-off uh, differential. The Nuggets play like one of the best teams in the NBA. When Jokic is on the floor, they're one of the worst teams of the century uh, when he's off the floor. Um, he's made a massive impact. At the same time, I think Embiid's gaining ground. I don't think there's any... How can you deny that he's at least put himself in the race? I think it's fair to say Durant's almost certainly not winning MVP anymore. Steph Steph is close to Jokic in terms of impact on-off numbers. Uh, There's no doubting what Steph means when he's on the floor. I believe I wrote this recently. The threat of his shot probably means more than whether or not his actual shots are going in or not. That's how Dave which terif- is good news for the Warriors because yes, they're not is, really going anywhere. Which is which is terrifying uh, for defenses. At the same time, mm-hmm. I just think that uh, the shooting dip. I just think it's ultimately going to hurt Curry in terms of MVP. Mm-hmm. So I do think Embiid is in the race. I, I you make it sound like it's almost not close. I think it's close, and. Uh, there's just a lot of season left. I mean, I had Jokic as my midseason MVP, but I, I do think it's an interesting race right now. And I, it's to me, it's just a, a more so an interesting question of Embiid. I think obviously at the moment is scoring in a more exciting way. At least uh, the mid range. You wrote about his mid range last year, Mike. Uh, I mm-hmm. haven't looked at the numbers anecdotally. At least, like I, I just think he's he's shooting the hell out of the ball a lot more, a lot better than he was at the start of the season, and that's helped in terms of some of his scoring uptick, but it's hard to separate those guys. It really is because we will never know what they would do if they trade places. So I will, um, I will admit of course that Embiid scoring in, in the last 15 games, I mean, he's averaging 34 shooting 54% from the floor. Like that is, I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane and, stuff. And um, there's a there's a thing about Embiid that when you watch him, and this isn't to take anything away from Jokic, who's obviously incredibly effective as a scorer, and I think for a long time was had the best effective field goal percentage in the league, or, or he was he's been high up there all year long, especially in terms of people who take as many shots a game as he does. There's just a certain dominance to the way Embiid plays sometimes and we don't have to get into everyone knows how I feel about whether or not they should trade Simmons but I think you can I feel like Nuggets fans are going to get mad at me for this even though I picked Jokic as the MVP and he stole my MVP I think you can more credibly guard Jokic one-on-one than you can Embiid I just don't think there's anybody in the league who can guard Embiid I don't so uh, first of all, that's an that's an interesting way to 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 paint it. Um, I, I think that is that is not to say that that's why Embiid should be the MVP, but I think that's like when you watch him. I think that's why he gets that maybe extra bump that Jokic doesn't get. There's a 
there's a brutishness to some of Jokic's scoring, not his overall game, that I think people are just, they don't know what to do with. So, first of all, um, like, okay, I just want to say that I think Embiid is amazing. I think that he would be second if I had to vote right now. I agree with you that there is a lot of more basketball to be played. Embiid could easily um, shoot ahead if he continues to average 34 and 12 and when he's on the floor, his team is plus eight or whatever it is. Then, yeah, there's... It's going to be really difficult, especially if the if the Sixers finish with the first, the top seed in the East. He's just going to win the award because the Nuggets aren't going to finish in the top two in the West because of where the Warriors and the Suns are. And people look at winning. A lot of voters look at winning, and they value that a lot. Um, I will say it was. It's really interesting for you to bring that point up, that specific point up about Embiid being unstoppable one on one, which he is, no doubt about it. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks played the Denver Nuggets last night, Sunday night. Uh, the Nuggets won in a blowout. And after the game, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday both were upset about uh, Mike Budenholzer's defensive strategy against Jokic because they were showing help every single time Jokic touched the ball. They would double, they would shade over, they would pre-rotate. And Jokic was just picking them apart. Like, that's what he does. He loves passing. He loves finding open cutters, open shooters. And the Nuggets shot like 53% from the th- behind the three-point line and w- ended up winning by a, a, a very large margin. And Jokic didn't even have to score. And after the game, Giannis was like, I wish that we guarded this guy straight up one-on-one. And the reason that they didn't is because... Jokic would obliterate Bobby Portis one-on-one. <laughs> like, he would score 55 points if that was a defensive strategy and the Nuggets still would have won by probably a lot of points. So I get like, I get what you're saying about Embiid and him being unstoppable. And I just like, and I don't think you're discrediting Jokic, but Jokic is truly unstoppable in the post and in a, in a different type of way, viscerally yes, and aesthetically. Yes. yes. But, that's but what he it is, is also he's, unstoppable. He's, yes. That is the, that's a good way to put it. They're both unstoppable. I think Embiid just somehow does it in a way that that resonates more with people. Like I, I think that we as a society, <laughs> are, <laughs> we live in a society that is still quite not ready to know what to do with Nikola Jokic. I, it's true. We don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about even just from like a pure, if you take skill out of it, just like a pure size thing, I think that is mm-hmm. what somehow that at least tricks people into thinking, let's stick to one guy on Jokic. But who do you I think is better? Who do, who do you think is just oh a better basketball god. player? Oh my god. Like to me, it's not even that, it's not that, that hard to answer. But like, I think it's I hard think to everyone answer knows that because, right but. Here's what I'd say. Jokic has been really good defending the rim this season, although I still think it has more to do with his like verticality and body placement. What ha- I still think in a vacuum, Embiid is, has a significant advantage on Jokic defensively. Um... I think that the, the I think Embiid is a better defender, a more feared defender. I think that the way Jokic is asked to defend in Denver's system is a lot different for sure. I also think that Embiid um he doesn't really bring it 
on every possession. And I'm not saying Jokic does because he doesn't, but <laughs> yeah, and be like there's plays where like Embiid is usually dropping right. And sometimes he gets out there and he moves his feet really fast. And in those instances, you're like, this guy should win every single defensive player of the year award. Um, but when he's in deep drop, it's just like, I know what the strategy is. And I know that the numbers say that they do force a lot more mid-range shots and they do uh, uh, deter shots at the rim, et cetera. But like in certain matchups, sometimes like a guard coming off a screen will just hit like three straight jumpers in a row and you're just like Embiid can you kind of do something and that's a little frustrating when you watch them play but like I like I hear you I I think Embiid is a better defender I think what really frustrates me though is even going back to last year when Jokic won the whole argument was like um, Embiid would have won had he played played, more games and now we're seeing that the games are you know uh, Jokic has played 44, Embiid has played 38. Embiid is also not playing tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies because of scheduled rest, which is very frustrating because the Grizzlies are like the best, one of the best teams, and I would love to see that matchup. Also, um, I, w- I would just like to say Jokic played every single game last season coming out of the bubble. Yeah, wild. Which, yeah, in- incredible feat. Like, truly one of the greatest feats uh, of this decade. Yes. So, I mean, real quick, I just want to, I said I would go back to this, but you, you mentioned the on-offs and I want to sit on this question for a while because I, I, it's really been bothering me, yeah. as you can tell. Um, but Jokic, as you said, he leads the league in on-off differential plus 22.2. The next highest is George Hill at plus 18.3. Joel Embiid ranks 21st at plus 10.8. Steph Curry is 11th at plus 12.6. Jokic is plus 22.2. Like, like it's just, it's, it it is, I know on-off isn't everything. And if you want to go through every other statistical, like, measurement, we can. And Jokic will be better. But, like, that right there to me is, like, it's called most valuable player. Yeah, that's That's just what it's called. That's how I convinced Herring when we were doing our midseason awards pod you throw out that number, and it, I mean it. I meant it genuinely. They have, they have a net rating with Jokic on the floor that would be, I believe, the best in the NBA. I mean, obviously, the Warriors like have a great net rating when Steph is on the floor. You know, there's reasons for that, etc. But they play like the Suns or the Warriors when Jokic is on the floor, and they are truly one of the worst teams of the millennium uh, when Jokic isn't playing. <laughs> it, it's that stark of a difference. But, I mean, in terms of who's a better player, oh, man, I I really, really, really struggle with that one. I say that as, like, Sun, who I genuinely believe has been one of the biggest Jokic cheerleaders in the media for the last three or four years, That's a, that is still a tough one for me. And I'm not going to answer mean, it. I'm going to one number it. <laughs> one number that is really interesting to me is two-point field goal percentage because we talk about Embiid being unstoppable. He should be... I know he takes a lot of mid-range jumpers, and that's part of his game. He doesn't need to do that. He could post up on every possession if he wanted. Um, But his two-point percentage this season is 52.8, which is whatever. Like, a lot of his efficiency comes from the free-throw line, drawing fouls, getting making free-throws. He's a really good free-throw shooter. Um, 52.8 on two-point shots. 
Uh, Jokic is 63.7 on two-point shots. And it's not like, like he takes 13.2 per game. And Embiid takes 15.4. So like that that dis- discrepancy right there in just one stat. And again, I could go to so many different statistics. But that right there is just another sign of just a big man who like gets to his spots and makes his shots and is truly unstoppable. And the number one separator for me is passing. And the yeah. bit, well, one of the na- narratives that comes up here is like Embiid is the point guard. He plays. He's playing point guard for the Sixers. This is incredible. And yeah, his playmaking is for sure improved. No, no doubt about it. Um, some of the he's, plays he makes, he some will of the never, passes he ever, makes are ever, great. Ever, 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 ever be on <laughs> Jokic's level as a playmaker. No. It's not close. No. Um, that's so right there. That's just another humongous differentiator. And one guy really makes everyone around him look like a legitimate all-star. And the other guy, not that he is, um, not that he doesn't do that for certain teammates, for sure. I think he makes his teammates better as all superstars do, but not to the level that Jokic does. And lastly, before we move on, I want to just mention the standings as I did earlier. Um, Denver is, I believe, okay, so I said that they were, they were fourth before. They're actually fifth as of right now, but have the same amount of losses as the Utah Jazz. By the way, get better, Joe Ingles. This is like the worst. That's some of the worst news oh, terrible, of all man. time. Injury in the contract year. Can we talk about, man, we we're, our power <laughs> rankings, uh, sorry to derail this, because our, our power rankings come out on Mondays, and we, yes. vote, we vote as a staff. Utah sliding, man. I believe they lost oh, yeah. five in a row, four in a row now. Um, uh, two and eight in their last ten, I believe. Utah, it's tough. I mean, they they don't have sliding, they don't have Gobert and they don't have Donovan Mitchell. It's not yeah. the Utah Jazz, but, but. Uh, I mean, it sounds silly, but it's just going to be the brackets in both conferences going to be interesting. The East. I sent you this text. I, I don't remember if it was last night, but. The seeding in the East is going to lead to some really crazy stuff. I mean, those top six teams are separated so, so closely. I think there's like mm-hmm. a two-game difference between... Yeah, uh, Brooklyn is a six seed right now. <laughs> which <laughs> it, wild. some team is going to end up with the one seed and is going to regret it because they're going to get Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the second round or something insane and be like, you know, how did this happen? Yeah, the seating the seedings are crazy. Real quick, I just want to finish my point and then we Please. can touch back on that if you want. But so Denver is twenty eight and twenty one, and Philly is thirty and nineteen. So Philadelphia is two up in a lot in the loss column, and I just like don't even like when we talk about again like if Philadelphia finishes first, which is possible, they could, but Denver could also have the same record. And be like fourth or third or whatever in the West, and so I don't know. I just think it's really dumb. I think Jokic is um, an easy choice as the MVP, and there are a few um, like NBA.com's official MVP ladder uh, that Michael Wright does uh, an excellent job on. I think Jokic is still number one there. So shout out to him and shout out to uh, that placement. But like, I do just, I, I, I like this email from Alex because it was addressing something that was on my mind that I actually wanted to talk about and, um, was timely and so wonderful. And I think I, I spent, I hope I didn't spend too much time. No, uh, I think, listen, Alex, we're, on we're, about it. we're with you, man. We do, let me put it this way. Let me put a bow on it. Embiid's not a shoe in for MVP. 
Uh, there's a lot of season left, but we will be, we will certainly be pushing the Jokic narrative uh, as long as we're hosting this podcast. Always, Un- unless uh, unless something changes. But for now, I think we both have Jokic as our MVP. I know Marcus Smart just playing with glass in his hand. He's like plus a hundred in the last three games. Um, we'll see what happens tonight. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to this email from Jonathan, which you'll really love, Rohan, and I also loved it. Uh, Jonathan writes, Hey, Michael, Chris, Rohan, and Shelby, love the pod. My question is, if you take the best player off of each NBA team, who wins the finals, and why is it the Miami Heat? Uh, from Jonathan, who says, P.S. Need more Shelby. I agree, Shelby is the greatest. We all um, need more Shelby. Shelby doesn't want to be our friend though so there's only so much we can do about it <laughs> okay so uh, uh jonathan is clearly in favor of the miami heat as the winner of uh this uh, of the finals if you remove first of all who's the best player is it, it's jimmy right we're we removing think jimmy from jimmy, the team yeah yeah okay yeah i you know what like i tried to overthink this I think Miami is the answer. Like, I'm not going to get too complicated. I mean, they've been so terrific regardless of who's on the floor. They have, you know, that team would have Kyle Lowry. It would have Bam Bam Adebayo. It would have um, three-point shooting. Tyler Hero off the bench. Maybe he starts. It's just they're a ridiculously loaded basketball team that might win the NBA championship. Um, 
I have a few other teams, though, that I wanted to shout out that I think could be interesting. And this was actually a really difficult exercise because I started plucking, like, best players off of teams, and I was like, oh, that team stinks now. Um, the Toronto Raptors, first of all, I'm not even... I, I, yeah, I think you, Fred Van Fred Vliet. Vliet yes. I, think, I, I think it's Van Vliet, and then it's like, okay, they've been really bad when Van Vliet's not been on the floor and they can't win. But I look at the names and the players, and I'm just right. like, okay, they okay, still have OG, they, they still have right. Pascal. Yeah, so I like them. Um, I'm always just going to ride or die with the Clippers and for I mean, this exercise. Yeah, like We're taking they, Kawhi yeah. off of the team, so... Still, we're assuming we have healthy Paul George. Like, yeah, let's ride. Like, that's they're very good. I love them. Um, I think the Clippers are my favorite for this exercise. Oh, over the Heat? Can I? I don't want to step on the question, but let me know when I can give my official Miami Heat take for the 2022 season. (laughs) Do you want to just give it right now? If you have more teams you want to name, you should name those teams. Okay, this is going to be like a 45-minute diatribe. Okay. Um, you know, uh, here's the kind of a sleeper pick. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks. You take <laughs> Trey Young off the team. And remove and all I love the bad Tra- vibes. <laughs> I love... <laughs> Cam Reddish, I love Trey Young. Cam Reddish gets a trade back. <laughs> <laughs> I love Trey Young. I think he's great. Um, I This roster is just so deep. Like and you you look at Onyeka Okungwu the other night uh, in the game against the Lakers where he has like six dunks in the fourth quarter. Can we can we discuss how well my 2019 redraft take of DeAndre Hunter is aged when I took him I think third or fourth in that draft? <laughs> sure, I, I, like I love DeAndre Hunter. Yes, yes. You're talking. You're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, love him. Uh. The Hawks are a good pick. I like DeAndre a lot. I like John Collins a lot. It's weird that it sounds like John Collins back on the trade block, like forever. Mm. They're, I mean, they've won seven in a row now. Shout out to Kyle Goon, the struggling Hawks, poor guy. Um, sorry, Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> um, but uh, so maybe they do end up standing pat. I don't know. They're in a weird position because it looked like they were ready to blow it up. Now they're playing well enough that do you believe in the stretch? I don't know. I don't envy uh, Travis Schlenk. That's a, a tough decision for these going to have to make because I still don't know. The chemistry on that team still does not seem to be the best. Okay, one more team, and then you can talk about the Heat, okay? Thank you. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. And Do you think I don't Chris know Paul? who we're t- – So I was going to ask. I don't know who we take off. Is it is it Booker? Is it is it? CP? If they take off Booker, I think they can still win. If they take off Chris Paul, I do not think they can. So if you take off if you take off Chris Paul, and if granted, they, if they put you at center and Chris Paul was in the lineup, you would get eight and six. You you would, you would pick up eight points and six boards. And you'd, you'd I would be, miss my first. I would miss my first layup, and then I would get a text at halftime that was like, "Your family has been kidnapped." <laughs> and it would be from Chris Paul, and he'd be staring at me. He'd be like, "We have men outside your family's <laughs> homes." <laughs> um, look, I you know in this exercise, we're going to be removing obviously the best players from every team. So I do think if you had a camp, if you had campaign. Booker, Bridges, Crowder, Aiton, like that is that's tough. You know, you're not buying it. Listen, we've seen the Suns without Chris Paul, and they were a nice bubble story. But 
I don't know, man. Give me give me the point guard. Give me CP3. I, they need him. They need him. I, I like their chances. And that's not to say Booker's not become an outstanding player. And he was mm-hmm. he's unfortunately going to have one of those forgotten finals because he was great in that series. But uh, I think Chris Paul is their most impactful player still. And I think that they'd have a better chance without Booker than they would without Paul. Okay. So you like the Suns then for this for this exercise. That was a good pick. You like that? Well, if we take if we take Booker off, if we take Booker off, then yes. But I don't okay. think he's their best player. Is my point. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so I'll let you now talk about the Heat. I hope all of this is irrelevant by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Chris. Here's the thing. Listen, they have been one of the more interesting stories in the league. They're first in the conference as of this recording. They've won a ton of games without their best guys. Kyle Lowry. It looked like just when Bam Adebayo was coming back. After missing all that time uh, with the torn thumb, it looks like they're finally going to have Kyle, Jimmy, and Bam together. They still have not played together since uh, the end of November. They've only played 14 games together. It's like, okay, they're going to hit the ground running. Let's see what they got. Lowry's now missed time due to personal reasons. He's still away from the team. Jimmy Butler's out tonight. I think there was the conventional wisdom about this team headed into the season was they're going to be just kind of get through the regular season and they're going to be a a tough out in the playoffs just because of the, their defense, their coaching, etc. I'm a little worried they've become the regular season smoke and mirrors team. That's my take. Oh, yeah. Why, why do you think that? They rely a lot on three point shooting uh, from guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, uh, Hero Robinson, and we've seen those types of teams to an extent mitigated a little bit in the playoffs, um, whether it's, it seems like the Jazz or the Clippers. And that that's kind of when they need their stars to step up. And this all comes down to Jimmy Butler, who I think for parts of the season, early start of the season, was playing like one of the best players in the league. But I just think their late game half-court offense, I do not know how it's going to hold up in a playoff series. And you look at all the other great teams in the East, whether it's Giannis uh, with the Bucks with Giannis, the Sixers with Embiid, the Nets with uh, Durant and Harden or Irving. I just am nervous that the Heat don't have a half-court scorer who's going to be able to get them over the hump in the playoffs. So that's my official Miami Heat take. Yeah, I know. It's a little bit surprising. I'm but yeah, but I... I'm a little bit worried that they're the smoke and mirrors regular season team. And you look at a lot of the games they've won without Jimmy, Kyle, etc. They've just had insane three-point shooting, which is a credit to those guys. They've made the shots. Um, I also think they're in a weird position. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler, they're, they're a positive with Jimmy Butler on the floor. But I think they've been even better with him off the floor this year. Uh, I, that might have changed up until recently, but that was true through like the end of December which is it goes to show how crazy their offense was in that stretch when he wasn't playing. So, yeah, that's just my that's me throwing a little hesitation on the Heat, but their their late game offense, at, which I think is the most kind of analogous to what a half court offense looks like in the playoffs, I'm a little bit worried about them being able to score in those situations. So Miami's crunch time offense, do you know where it ranks? Rohan? It's got to be. Close to the bottom, if not dead last. It is 27th. Yeah. 
uh, right behind the Detroit Pistons, <laughs> which uh, they're a full point per 100 possessions worse than the Detroit Pistons on offense um, in crunch time. I have, I personally have faith in Jimmy in those ISO situations. I think that you'll see a lot of, you know, basic pick and roll with him and Bam spread the floor. Um, you'll see a lot of Kyle Lowry, Bam pick and roll, spread the floor. Uh, and I guess, I guess like the question for me that, um, like I, I love their theoretical closing five that really hasn't played a second. Uh, they have played a second, but not a lot of time this season, which is Jimmy, Bam, Kyle, PJ, and Tyler Hero. Yeah, they, I like they've that played unit. very little together, and it's it basically has, hasn't yeah. played. Yeah. yeah, they played like um, a, they blew a couple leads against the Jazz, ironically. So their their lineup stats are really skewed by those. But yes, you're right; it's barely played. And I, you know, I like that lineup. I think that lineup is really potent, can be potent. I want to see it, and I think that there's considerable, or maybe not consider. I like I I think that. The wary about um, Tyler Hero's defense because of what we saw in the playoffs in 2020 is a little overblown. I think he'll be fine. Um, he'll be targeted maybe, but Lowry's on the floor now. Bam's better. Jimmy's Jimmy. PJ Tucker was not on the team in 2020, et cetera. Like, I just think there's a lot of you can insulate him, insulate one poor defender and be fine. And he'll make up for it on the offensive end with everything he provides there. So I just I want to see that lineup. I think that that is kind of like a trump card for them. And I'm not worried about them in the playoffs. I think that they just they're so smart in getting through the regular season how they do because they have the best coach in basketball. And they're so plug and play. But when it comes down to it, like they have enough talent. Um, and maybe I'm totally wrong here. And maybe you're right. You you watch more Heat basketball than I do, but I have faith in Jimmy. I think last year in the playoffs was kind of a fluke. Um, yeah, I mean, in how yeah, poorly I do he think played. last year was kind of nuts. It's just, man, it's interesting. I don't want to turn this into the last half of the show entirely to Heat talk. I just want to say I'm so ready for the playoffs in the East specifically because just of how close those top six teams are to each other. I really, I'm really, really excited uh, for the playoffs. You know, usually you'd be lucky to get, you know, last year we were all looking forward to Brooklyn and Milwaukee and we were lucky we got it and the playoffs were good. But the intrigue this year in the East, I can't remember it being like this ever, <laughs> you know, and for the last 20 years, I don't mm-hmm. remember them having this many good teams. So, man, I'm just really excited to see it play out. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I wish we could fast forward to it. You're ready. Um, do you have any other Miami Heat thoughts? I'm contemplating ending the show right now after that because I'm so stunned. We have a couple other questions, but they're so like uh, they're so evergreen, and I might want to hold them because I, I just my brain is so frazzled right now. You are you really kn- were not expecting that, huh? No, that kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't ready to talk about the Heat. They've been on my mind, of course, because I am going to watch that game tonight, I think, or at least <laughs> yeah, the first think- half, and hopefully it'll be a blowout, but it won't because <laughs> the Celtics stink. <laughs> uh, listen, I, like I said, this is the kind of game Boston should win easily. You know what I mean? They, please stop they saying got that. No excuse. I, please oh. <laughs> just stop saying that. Um, I don't like hearing it. 
I yeah, man. They just it's they they've been a strange team. You mentioned that that closing five. I do think that's that's the lineup they're gonna have to win with. Like you said, mm-hmm. it hasn't played much. You just look at other teams around the league. The real contenders, in my opinion, like every team has that one lineup that's like a 12, 13, 14 net rating. They don't play it all the time, but they go to it when they when it's crunch time, when they need the win, when they need to pull it out. The great teams have that lineup. The Heat are expecting that five to be their lineup, but they haven't proven it to be that yet. The A wild card in all of this, and I, there's just, I have truly not a single idea what to expect is Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Because if he's like 75% of all-star Oladipo and you can close with him, that to me, that that is really a, a huge wild card for their season. I mean, we have no idea when he's going to be back, let alone you know what he's going to look like on the floor. But yeah, I, I just am a little... They've been so reliant on threes... Uh, in a way that specifically corner threes, which are yeah. harder to generate in the playoffs. Exactly, and yeah, it's just gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. And I I do think that last year's series against the Bucks, not to get into bubble talk or whatever, but I think there were more kind of uh, last year's playoffs just had stranger results, I thought, than the bubble, frankly. Um, or you know, last season I think was. It just had so many more variables in it than the ones before. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, the bubble is one big variable, but last year it was players returning from COVID and empty arenas or full arenas and blah, blah, whatever. We don't need to litigate that. But my point is, as much as I am not necessarily worried about how that first round series went against the Bucks went, there's something to be said about the way they defended Jimmy, the way they defended Bam, basically daring them to shoot from the mid-range. And the Heat, frankly, not able to capitalize. What's to say teams won't have success guarding the Heat like that uh, again in the playoffs this year? And I do think Bam has not necessarily taken that offensive step we've expected him to take. Uh, so once again, I'm 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 shell shocked, and I've decided <laughs> as you were speaking that we're going to have to end today's episode <laughs> on that note. I think it's um, mostly because you're hungry. I think that's why we're ending the episode. I think it has more to do. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I am. My stomach is is growling right now. <laughs> um, but I do think that everything you said, you know, having Kyle Lowry push the pace, having. Um, older better like Tyler Hero was just not good mm-hmm. last season he was very disappointing this year he's uh, potentially going to win six man of the year um Duncan Robinson's coming around hitting threes you have PJ Tucker knocking down every single corner three he takes and just providing that tenaciousness on defense that you need um maybe Markeith Morris will um bless us with his presence at some point <laughs> down the what line. a strange situation can i give you my uh top three nancy myers movies sure you may i'm going with it's complicated number one something's wow. got to give number two and uh the holiday number three okay um another Okay, I was also not expecting this. I was not prepared. <laughs> I I really wish I was. It's complicated is um That's is Alec a good Baldwin, movie. Steve Martin, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yes. That's 
That's a good one. I do like that. Uh, now you have me like on IMDb trying to <laughs> yeah, of just course. scramble right <laughs> yeah. now. Um, there's but- a there's a scene and it's complicated where Meryl Streep is uh, rolling out croissant dough and then she hangs it from her chin like she has like a a wizard beard. Like who? Where else is Meryl? Where else are we gonna get the god Meryl Streep just engaging in hijinks like that one? People come to this podcast and look what they get. It's yeah. truly a miracle. Yeah. We're miracle workers. You're a miracle worker. Thank you so much, Rohan, um, for everything that you do. Go Celtics <laughs> tonight. Good luck to you. Um, thank you, Shelby. Thank you to our listeners. Um, everybody, please keep the emails coming. They've been so good. We have like a, a few that we're, we're supposed to get to today that we will hit soon that are just so terrific. So uh, please add to that list at openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everybody, please uh, stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the NBA season. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.